Sri Vishnu Sahasranam 707 Sad Again, Sat That which is good, that which is proper, that which is right And Bhuti What does Bhuti mean? Uh, one meaning, or the main meaning given here is wealth So you might think, well that's like the English word booty When robbers they steal some wealth, they take away the booty, but it's not that. It's absolutely different derivation. Sorry, Mr. P. N. Oak. Uh, <clears throat> wealth in all forms for the good. That's one meaning. He who, he who is endowed with rich glories, Aishvaryam. He who alone truly exists. He who manifests himself in infinite forms. So these are uh, various meanings. Bhuti refers to wealth, property or existence according to Amarakosh, the Sanskrit dictionary compiled by a Jain. Uh, Vishnu is called Sadbhuti because he bestows all wealth to the deserving devotees. What is the wealth he bestows upon them? Himself! He is the greatest treasure. He is the source of everything. If you have Krishna, then you have everything. And that's not just figurative or imaginary. He appears as the son of Vasudeva and Devaki, of Nanda and Yashoda, of Kashapa and Aditi, of Dasharatha and Kaushalya. So, in this way, he's the, the treasure, the real treasure. Parents, when they get a child, at least it used to be like that. The children think, oh, the treasure. They're, they're so happy to get a child. The times have changed and often children are thought of as some burden or some investment. I look after them and then they'll make a lot of money for me. And what happened to society? They didn't get the holy name of Krishna. They need to get it. People are going downhill. So-called civilization way down. But people, they generally think, oh, I got a child, son, great cause for celebration. We find in the Bhagavatam that when Krishna was born, there was a big celebration. Now, the inhabitants of Vrindavan, they didn't know that Krishna was God. They weren't celebrating, God came to us. They were celebrating, a child is born to Nanda and Yashoda. Ah, how wonderful, how good, how nice. Uh, so parents, they naturally think of their children as their treasure, as their jewel. The only problem with all of this is that the relationship of parent and child is temporary. And the child, who you love so much, they may turn out to be not very good. They may be asat. Hitler also had a father and mother. Uh, his mother couldn't have imagined what a demon he would turn out to be. The children may go against the parents. And there, there are examples of that in history. Aurangzeb killing his brother and sending his brother's head to his father just to let him know, uh, by the way, uh, the, 
Now your son is, my brother is dead. They may kill their own parents. Uh, to, to get, the, especially in royal families, supposed to be very aristocratic. This is Kali Yuga. We don't find this in, in the histories of the dynasties of the Yadus or the, the Surya Vangsha, Chandra Vangsha. We don't find in these exalted kings. But in Kali Yuga, it's, it's not only possible, but it happens. The people kill their own parents. There's no love, just the opposite. But naturally, people think that my child is my treasure, the, the joy of my life, uh, and that is a reflection of the pleasure that Dasharath and Kaushalya, Kajapanet, Aditi, Vasudevan, Devaki, Nanda, Yashoda, and others, they have on receiving the Supreme Personality of Godhead as their child. And that's, that's really the, the real and proper and greatest treasure. And the wonderful thing is that we also can have Krishna as our child. You may say, well, hmm, even in Vrindavan, only Nanda and Yashoda had Krishna as their child. But no, because the other families, they all treated Krishna as their child. And not only that, but when Brahma stole the cows and calves who were with, sorry, when, when Brahma stole, stole the cowherd boys and calves who were with Krishna, Krishna expanded himself into multiple forms so that all the families of Vrindavan got Krishna as their sons directly. And all the cows had Krishna as their calf. So we can have Krishna as our son. You have to be very, very exalted. It's not just out of some sentiment, but out of pure love, Krishna will agree to become our child. Or in, in whatever relationship we have with him is the greatest treasure of our life. Undoubtedly, there's nothing in comparison. He is the... For the, for the real great devotee, he can be the, the son, the friend. He can even be, take the role of a messenger or charioteer. He'll become the servant of the devotee. Uh, we find Bhishma saying to Yudhishthira, we'll find this in the first canto of Bhagavatam, that uh, you think, Bhishma said to Yudhishthira, you think that this Krishna is your maternal cousin, Matulaya. But, uh, even though he acts, not, he acts as your, he's your maternal cousin, and more than that, he's more than just some formal relation with you, some bodily relation, but he's your very dear friend, he's your well-wisher and benefactor in all ways, he, he gives you counsel, advice, he acts as a messenger and a servant for you. Actually, by the way, he's the Supreme Personality of Godhead. In this regard, there's a well-known verse from the fifth canto of Bhagavatam in which Shukadeva Goswami addresses Purushit Maharaj talking about Krishna 
in relation how Krishna related to Parikshit Maharaj's grandfathers and how fortunate Parikshit is to be in such a family where Krishna was so intimate with the with his grandfathers. So the verse is as follows, the Sanskrit. Rajan Patir Guru Ralang Bhavatam Yadu Nam Daivang Priyakulapati Kvacha Kinkarovaha Astveva Manga Bhagavan Bhajatam Mukundo Muktim Dadati Karhichit Smana Bhakti Yogam Srila Prabhupada gives the translation as follows. Shukadeva Goswami continued, My dear King, the Supreme Person, Mukunda, is actually the maintainer of all the members of the Pandava and the Adu dynasties. Hmm. He is your spiritual master, worshipable deity, friend and the director of your activities. To say nothing of this, he sometimes serves your family as a messenger or servant. This means he worked just as ordinary servants do. Those, engage, those engaged in getting the Lord's favor attain liberation from the Lord very easily, but he does not very easily give the opportunity to render direct service unto him. Treasure. Devotees treasure him. He's so kind. Not so easy to get. Treasure may be not so easy to get. If everyone has treasure, then where's the treasure? If everyone's rich, then no one's rich, because it, to be rich is a relative term. I've seen in my wanderings in the villages of Bangladesh in the 19, late 1970s, 1980s, someone, may, someone who would be considered poverty-stricken by Western standards in a Bangladeshi village at that time, because he has a little, a few more possessions than others, is considered a rich man in the village. Uh, but Krishna's the actual wealth because even though everyone in Golok has an intimate personal relationship with Krishna, he's the wealth of all of them. But they are, it, that, that's a true wealth. It, it's not just something, I, there's the feeling that I possess some gold. You don't really possess it. There's a feeling like that, but the gold is there. And you are here, and you, you supposedly you own it. But you don't have a relationship. It's not. It's not something you can love. Real wealth is love, and Krishna is the source of all love. So he's the real wealth, and everyone can have it. And Krishna wants to give that to everyone. Ah. There's another meaning of the word bhuti. Baladevidya Bhushan gives this. He who becomes, coming into being. So he, be, in, it, he gives a similar meaning in the sense that, uh, it, it derived in a different way, he gives a similar meaning. He becomes a messenger and a gatekeeper, just like a menial servant of his devotees, giving examples of Yudhishthira, Ugrasena, and Bali Maharaj. Uh, Anangara Acharya Swami points out that he's their wealth means he's the, the help of the devotees in all forms. What's the use of wealth unless you, you can use it to your benefit? So in the same way Krishna acts for the benefit of his devotees, helps them in all respects. Therefore, he is 
wealth. He is the good wealth, proper wealth. Wealth we have in this world drags us to hell or gives us the illusion that we, that we are doing well. I'm doing well. I'm a success. I've got lots of money. Uh, so in that sense, that wealth, that's asat. It's not, it doesn't help us in the ultimate sense. It illusions us and drags us down into lower forms of material existence. It, by, by wealth, we tend to become proud and, and cause harm to others and look down on others. So wealth is actually, uh, unless we have a very detached and proper understanding, wealth is very dangerous for us. It's asat. But Krishna is sadbhuti. He's the wealth which is actually beneficial to us in all respects, in the proper way, in the best way. So he gives knowledge. If he wants to give physical wealth to his devotees, health, he'll give. He can give everything. But if they're materialistic devotees, they want wealth from the Lord, he may give it if we want. He's more wealthy than Kuvera, that's for sure. Uh, he's the wealth of the devotees. He takes various forms. Why does he come as a fish? That sounds very strange. Why does he come as a fish? Well, he becomes, he comes particularly in that form to help for or to Satyavrata Muni. <laughs> Why does he come as a, a tortoise? He comes particularly in that form for the sake of effecting the churning of the milk ocean, which was for the benefit of the whole universe in so many, <coughs> so many ways. Why does he come as Varaha to uplift his great devotee, the, the earth? Why does he come as Narasimha? He comes to benefit Prahalad Maharaj and all the universe by destroying Hiranyakashipu. So we may say, what is this? All these different forms of God. But he comes in forms suitable for benefiting the world and for benefiting the universe. So in this way, he's the real wealth. He, he, he acts as the greatest benefactor of the sat, of persons who are sat. So he's the, the real wealth, sat, bhuti, and he is, he is wealth for the good people who are sat, who can actually appreciate that also. Uh, another meaning, uh, that he has wealth himself, who has, who has sad booty. He himself is possessed of real wealth and actual wealth. And just like for the devotees, he is the wealth, and for him, his devotees are the wealth. And of course, Aishvaryasya, Sabagrasya, he has all wealth, power, knowledge, beauty, renunciation, uh, all fame, all the qualities which are desirable. So he has, in this way, his sadbhuti, his um, proper and beneficial glories and wealth. Or it can mean, similarly, one, 
he, he takes different forms and in various forms he manifests different aspects of his opulence, of his glories, of his Aishvarya. His terrible anger is manifested as Narasimha. His uh, beauty is manifested as Vamana and Baladeva. Uh, so in various forms, he, he manifests some qualities more than others. Uh, in the, uh, and of course, whatever little we can perceive, it's just a little of his great might, glory, power, wealth, his opulence. Shankara, guess what? He takes booty here to mean basamanatvam, effulgence. So Shankaracharya gives the meaning basamanatvam, effulgence, which we might expect of the impersonalists. They're interested in oneness and light and effulgence and all this kind of thing. So that's one meaning. Uh, <clears throat> true existence. So this, the light which the impersonalists take to be all in all, the, the true light, that is Vishnu. Okay, we don't have any problem with that, but we don't say that's the complete understanding of Vishnu. Uh, but this, it can be taken to mean that, that um, very similar to the uh, previous name, Sattā. He is the only one true existence. So it can be understood. That he's the only thing which actually exists because by his effulgence he reveals everything else. Um, without him nothing else exists and by his effulgence everything else is revealed. So in this sense effulgence means not just light, but by, by, by uh, knowledge by which everything is revealed. Satyadeva Vashishta uses the root, the root bhu satayam to be, to live for the term bhuti and gives the interpretation of his truly existing in different forms. Mm. Sati Sharsvati <coughs> Bhuti Bhavanam Vividha Bhavena Parinamaha Sadbhuti uh, Satyadeva Vashishta gives the illust illustrates this that the tree exists in the seed and the seed exists in the tree. Both are real and true. So in the same way uh, Tree means seed. Seed means tree. There's an eternally existing relationship. So in the same way, we exist in Krishna, we have an eternally existing relationship. One is inseparable from the other. That's a very nice reason, uh, understanding given. Um, not just in our relationship with him as the cause of all existence, the, the bedrock of all existence, but everything ex in existence rests on him. He is both the nimitta karan and the 
upadana karana. He is the, we can say, the, the standard example is given that what is, if we ask what is the cause of a pot, what causes a pot to come into being, the potter. That's one perspective. Another perspective is the clay. So the potter is the nimittakaran, the effective cause, the one who organizes it to come into existence. But however expert a potter may be, he can't make a pot unless there is clay. They need the ingredients. So Krishna is the both the Nimittakaran, the one who desires and effects and makes everything come into existence. And he, in one sense, Iram Hivishvam Bhagavan Nivetara, in one sense, not in every sense, everything in existence is he, everything rests on him. So in this way, he is the cause of all existence and he is in this way Sadabhuti, Sarvakarana Karanam. The cause of the potter is Krishna. The cause of the clay is Krishna. He's the ultimate cause of everything. All glories to Lord Sri Krishna, who is known as Sadbhuti. Hare Krishna. He's the cause of the rain too. Don't complain. <laughs>